Welcome to Bedtime Story Adventure 2020, Children's Urban Fantasy, one chapter a day up until Christmas. Chapter 23, Stretched Goals. They must have been halfway to the wind farm by the time they caught up with the boat. The bishop had managed to keep their speed up and execute a couple of course corrections to keep them in the right direction. The exhausted bird folded its wings back and appeared to be dozing as they flew high above the gentle waves toward their target. The boat was painted almost entirely black and would have been invisible if not for James's sharp eyes and the moonlight's help. It was a fishing boat with an enclosed wheelhouse at the front and a flat deck behind with a boom and a winch for casting and retrieving a net. We need to slow down, James said quietly. I don't want them spotting us. Spread your arms and legs out, Jenny said, like a skydiver. The extra wind resistance should slow us down. With a few awkwardly pulled off skydiving moves, they managed to match the boat's speed. It was chugging through the water in no particular hurry. There was a dim light on in the wheelhouse, seeping out through the salt-caked windows. Are there two people in there? Jenny asked. Yes, James answered quietly, one at the wheel and one sitting down. I think they're talking. We need a distraction. The hold is through the doors behind the wheelhouse. I bet that's where the animals are being kept. Wake the bishop up. Jenny gave the bird a gentle shake. Do you think you've got enough energy to fly us down to just above the roof? she asked. I'm free as a... it mumbled sleepily. Shh! James hissed. The bishop ruffled its feathers and yawned. Uh, yes, I'll take you down there. If we land on top of the wheelhouse, we can drop you off, Jenny said. Could you distract the people for a minute to give us a chance to sneak into the hold? Distract them? How? Do a dance or something, James said. Or just flap around in front of the window. I'm sure they'll notice you. The bishop gave a couple of limp flaps of its wings, and they started to slowly descend. The children put their hands out and eased themselves silently to a stop on the fiberglass roof of the wheelhouse. There was just enough room for them to lie down on it without hanging over the edge. Jenny put the bishop down, and he sagged as his plump weight returned. Go on, James whispered, still holding on to the key to the air. Distraction! The bird stepped forward to the edge of the roof, then flapped off the side with a loud, Coo! Jenny had her hands on the roof, and she pushed them back slowly until they were completely off the back of it, but still lying horizontally with a good view through the back window of the little structure. The two figures were both looking out through the front window, so Jenny gave them a push downward to the deck. James waited until they had touched the wooden decking before pulling the nib off the feather. Jenny landed gracefully, but James was heavy-footed and bumped hard into the deck. Both children quickly shuffled under the back window, in case someone heard and looked out. At the same time, the bishop gave another loud coo. Whatever he was doing must be working. The hatch to the hold was only a little way from their feet. It was secured with a big metal padlock. Jenny took out the bolt cutters and held them at arm's length and got the jaws around the shackle of the lock. She waited for another coup from the bishop and squeezed the handles of the cutters. They did their job easily, splitting the shackle with a dull click. James crawled forward and retrieved the pieces of the lock. 
On the next coup from the bishop, Jenny crawled to the hatch, pulled it all the way open, took a look inside, then crawled back under the window next to James. There's a ladder, she whispered, on the edge nearest us. If someone looked out of the window now, they would see the open hatch and surely come to investigate. We need to go on the bishop's next coup, James said. Jenny nodded. The bird cooed, and both children crawled to the hatch, turned backwards and climbed down the ladder. Jenny pulled the hatch closed after them, and James took his torch out of his pocket and turned it on. In front of them was a wall of cages filled with startled animals. Turn that light off, an angry rat hissed. James pointed the torch down at the floor. Other animals started to rattle their cages and make disgruntled noises. Shush! It seems we are about to be rescued. Empress, Jenny said quietly, is the falcon here too? I am, the bird's voice came from a cage hanging on the ceiling behind them. I'm just seasick from being stuck in this awful place. You took your time, but then better late than never, I suppose. More cages were stacked against the opposite wall behind the bird, filled with even more animals. Not just regular Brighton animals either, but monkeys, snakes, lizards and more. And between the two walls of cages was a solid and firmly locked door. How are we going to get them all back? Jenny asked. There's too many for the bishop to drag. James paused in thought. If I open a portal to Tibet, he said, and I can do a nice low one there because the symbol's easy, then all the animals can go through it. Then we can open another portal back to Preston Park and take them to Elf's house. Good idea, Jenny said. So we're going to Tibet, the annoyed rat said. Some holiday that'll be. You can choose, James said. Either behave nicely and come with us to Tibet and then back to Brighton, or stay here. But you need to choose now. My home is Jordan, a coiled viper next to the Empress hissed, not Brighton. We can work that out once we're safe, Jenny said. We have a way of transporting you all home, but we need to free you and take you to Brighton first. Via Tibet, the rat crossed its arms. Yes. Jenny took out the bolt cutters and snipped the lock from the Empress's cage. I'm going to cut all the locks. If you want to be freed, you can join us, and if you want to stay in your cages, you can. She started snipping while James prepared some ink using the leaf ink stick and water from Adrian's water bottle. He didn't have the ink stone, so he grabbed a feeding dish from an empty cage and used that. When Jenny had finished all the cages on one wall and freed the falcon too, James was ready to draw the home symbol. He got on his knees and held a piece of paper on the floor. Smooth and even, he said calmly. What are you going to do? Draw us a pretty picture? The now freed rat said with a sneer. Quiet vermin, the falcon said, flexing its yellow talons. Do not distract him. The rat took one look at the talons and backed nervously away. Jenny stopped opening the cages. James dipped the silver nib into the ink, took a breath, and drew the home symbol, smooth and even and fast. Moments later, he was floating, and the portal was fully open. Weak morning light filled the dingy holdroom. The dusty yellow mountain rock was only a couple of feet below them. That's magic, the rat said. These two aren't as stupid as they look. Indeed, the falcon agreed. James held on to the bottom of the ladder and dipped his head through the portal. It's clear, he said, just an empty mountainside. Everyone through. 
The Empress went first, an agile leap, and she was on solid ground. The Rat went next, then another cat, then soon all the freed animals were jumping, flying, hopping, and slithering through the portal. Jenny continued snipping open the cages until there were none left. Soon, just she and James were left in the hold. Wait a minute, where's Rask? James asked, looking around at the empty cages while floating in the middle of the room. He's not here, Jenny said. She crouched and stuck her head through the portal. Does anyone know where the snake called Rask is? That scary thing, the grumpy rat said. I hope I never see it again. Gives me the jigglers just thinking about it. They moved the deadly adder away from the main block, the falcon said. It had perched on the branch of a dead tree overlooking the rest of the animals. They put it in the isolation wing to keep the rest of the inmates happy. Thanks, Jenny said, getting to her feet. She looked at the locked door at the end of the hold. I can't use these on it. She held up the bolt cutters. It's got a proper lock. We've got to find a way to get in there, James said, floating over to the door and trying the handle just in case. Maybe we need the key. Maybe we don't, Jenny said. What if you closed this portal and made another one, only this time make it right next to the door? You think we can go out into Tibet and then back up on the other side of the door, James said. That's genius. He poked his head back through to the animals on the Tibetan mountainside. Won't be a minute. Hurry up, the rat said. It's cold here and ever so dry. It's making my nose itch. James was so excited to try Jenny's idea that he almost pulled the silver nib off while floating near the ceiling. He held onto the ladder and removed the nib. Then he got another piece of paper and knelt down by the locked door. A few quill strokes later and the portal was open. This time only half of it was visible. The other half was on the other side of the door. James stuck his head through. Me again, he said to the waiting animals. Not long now. I'll go through to Tibet, Jenny said, and help you to manoeuvre. She let herself down through the portal and onto the dusty rock. With a carefully judged kick off the ceiling, James floated through and Jenny caught him and pushed him gently back up through the other side of the portal. The light from Tibet lit up the small space behind the door. It was cramped, but somehow a little writing desk had been built into the boat's narrowing hull. On the desk was a large black book, identical to the one that the ringmaster had held in the big top. Next to the book was another cage, and in the cage was the thin black line of a snake. Rask, James said. The snake's head moved slightly, then lay back down. With no bolt cutters on him, James lifted the small cage and handed it down to Jenny. Let's go, she said, taking Rask carefully. Wait, James said, there's more. He passed the book down through the portal. It must be the real watch list. Then he took another look around the storage space. On a shelf above the writing area was a familiar-looking wooden box. The rest of the bones of Kerberos were still inside. He passed it through to Jenny. While his head was down by the floor, he noticed that a dark chest had been pushed under the desk. It was heavy, but after touching it for a while, the key to the air's magic made it light enough for James to slide out. He grabbed it by a black leather handle and pushed it out of the portal, following it out himself. With Jenny's help, he got his feet level on the rocky ground. They had done it! All he had to do now was close this portal and open another one to Preston Park. Then they could ferry the animals to Elf's house. 
James was feeling good. Don't close the portal, Jenny said, with a look of horror on her face. Why not? We're all safe now. Not all of us. We forgot about the bishop. We can't leave the pigeon, James said. I'm going back. I'll keep this portal open, grab the bishop, then come straight back. Don't be long, and take my bag with the paper and water just in case, Jenny said. Then she leaned in close to his ear and whispered, Some of these animals are not very friendly. I don't want them to start attacking each other. Or me. I'll be quick, James said, wriggling into Jenny's rucksack. I'll grab the bishop and be back in no time.